0: Do you want to be a better coach? Georgia Southern University can help. We offer a fully online master's in kinesiology created by coaches for working
1: coaches. Our full-time faculty combines for over 100 years of coaching experience. Georgia Southern's program is nationally accredited, so you know you are getting quality. We pioneered fully online programs over a decade ago and have had students from 27 states and multiple countries. No matter where you are in the world, Georgia Southern University can help. There is no GRE requirement, and it only takes 14 months to complete. You start classes in May and finish the following July. We have coaches just starting out to veteran coaches over 30-plus years. So no matter where you are in your coaching journey, Georgia Southern can help. Follow us at GS coach Ed, or look us up, and Georgia Southern can help you be a better coach fully online. Uh, is it usually a majority of the players, or, or is it a small percentage 50% uh how's that recognition ceremony?
2: It, it, no, it's yeah, it's not. It's it's hard to get. You know, you think 300 hours it is not easy to get. Um we probably get I'm going to say 25. We do it down to the youth level too. So um my 4th, 5th and 6th graders in our program, we give them what's called a 150 hour club. And you know, we don't get as many kids at that age. They're just starting out. Um get a number of kids that that dive into it at a young age too and the 150 obviously they can't play a fall and spring sport when they're in the elementary and so they're a little more limited on how they can get some of their hours they don't make the honor roll in their elementary but it's it's not yet and you got to be a, you got to be someone that follows through
1: coaches uh, welcome back to the Championship division podcast coach kevin furtado here again I'm so excited to have episode 299. We're getting close to that 300 mark. Today, special guest, Coach Greg Burge. Today's topic is, here are five reasons why successful programs win year after year. Greg has been a teacher, coach, and school administrator for the last 27 years. He currently serves as the high school principal and varsity boys basketball coach in Lake City, Minnesota. He is a licensed sports leadership facilitator with the Jeff Jansen Sports Leadership Center. He is also the owner of GB1 Leadership. Greg has coached many sports in his career. In his 16 years as a varsity boys basketball coach, his Lake City teams have been fortunate to win 10 conference championships eight in a row and two section championships Greg works with athletes, coaches, teams, and organizations to help them create great teams and better leaders. Let's welcome Coach Greg Burge. Coaches, welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado here. Uh, today, we have episode 299, Greg. So I'm almost, I should have had you on the 300, but you know, you're, you're close.
2: <laughs> Um, what a 300-hour club program real good
1: exactly yes uh today we have coach greg burge greg is gonna uh talk to you a little bit about his uh five reasons on why successful programs win year after year um and he's gonna tell a little bit about where he is in lake city high school in minnesota and talk about the great winning program that he has built there i mean what a what a consistent winning program. Greg, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Uh, happy to be here, and uh, hopefully we can both learn together a little bit today.
1: Yes, and and I know you're um, part of the Jeff Jansen uh, program and so forth, and I'm, I've been trying to get Jeff on for a while uh, because, man, he's, I have all of his books that he has produced. What a, what a, what a great teacher of teamwork and how to develop leaders.
2: Yeah, without question. I I've been following for a long time uh, as a coach, and an opportunity presented itself for me uh, about a, about a year ago, and uh, I jumped on board, and it's it's been great doing this on the side. I'm a licensed sports leadership facilitator, the only one in the state of Minnesota, and there's only about you know a dozen to fifteen of us across the country, so. Um, I've been able to get into schools um, across Minnesota to, to really develop leaders, uh, student athletes, and coaches, in addition to being a, a basketball coach and a high school principal. So I am I definitely like to stay busy.
1: Yeah, you're a busy guy, being a principal as well. <laughs> so, um, And I do know the best principals are the best leaders. The ones I've worked for um, are great leaders. Hey, Greg, tell us about where you've where you learn the game, I always love to kind of study people on how they grew up and and where was sports in the, uh, how, how impactful was sports and coaches in your, in your childhood?
2: It was incredibly important. I, I grew up in the Twin Cities area, a suburb of, um, Minneapolis called Spring Lake Park high school. Um, I was a three sport athlete, uh, played golf, basketball, football, uh, through high school. Um, you know, basketball is always my love. Um, you know, and I had a good high school career. I had a really good football career too. And, uh, went to college and was kind of a, a tweener athlete in terms of playing at the D three D two, you know, it would have been a, a push and I decided to take the coaching route in college instead. And so I coached as soon as I got to Winona state, uh, I started coaching, um, helping out with varsity football and I was coaching uh, youth basketball back then it was kind of like a, an eighth grade, you know, a YMCA type of team. And, uh, I did that through college, uh, got my first teaching job. I'm, I'm a math teacher by trade and, in, in and, uh, I got my first teaching job in Lake city, Minnesota and, um, jumped into coaching right away. I was a head coach, uh, by the age of 25. Uh, replaced a legend, a Hall of Fame legend coach in Jerry Snyder in Minnesota who um, had a phenomenal career. And uh, I, I, I had coached for seven years, multiple sports, but I was varsity basketball for those seven years. And I got my administrative license and uh, decided to jump ship and go to the principal route. And I had to get out of coaching. And that was the really, really hard decision for me to make at that time. Because I was 30, you know, I was 30, 31, you know, 32, 33 years old. And uh, so I jumped out, went to a neighboring district for two years, got back into Lake City as the high school principal. And um, now for the last nine years, I had an opportunity to get back into coaching. And so I'm back uh, coaching and being a high school principal in Lake City. And uh, we've built a, we've had a great program. We've, we've continued it. um, And so the last nine years I've been doing both and we've had some great success. And that's kind of what brought me to where I am today.
1: Yes. And... You have won eight in a row conference championships, which says it's all about consistency. That's what I want you to talk about and share with us, uh, because I have gone through your list and I have checked off some of your things on the five reasons why successful programs and some of the things I have not. So nobody's perfect, right? And that this is just a good way to kind of see, assess where your program is, right?
2: Yeah, you bet. And I, you know, I, I started just to lay the foundation. I started, I've got so much to to share, I feel. And I've been in this a while. I've been in education 27 years coaching for, you know, 16, but really much more than that, if you include youth and, you know, middle school and all that. Um, and so I have so much to share. And I really started writing on Twitter a couple of months ago. And it's really kind of taken off in one post that, I posted was this one we're talking about today which is why do programs win year after year and it really took off um it kind of surprised me i was i was early to twitter and it it took off and and got a lot of a lot of people talking about it and um engaging in it and then about five six weeks later i took the same post and i rephrased it and kind of did it in a different way and i got the same type of traction from the same post which was interesting to me because I hadn't had that same, you know, amount of interest in other stuff. So to me, this resonates with people obviously, and it's something that I want to talk further about, but yeah, five, um, five keys that I feel um, being in this a a while uh, that has been really important to us on why programs win year after year. And, and, you know, I'll go in detail on each one, but you know, players, obviously we need players to win culture, incredibly important commitment, consistency, and then leadership. And so um, those are the five and, you know, I'll certainly dive into the, the first one if you'd like me to.
1: Absolutely, coach, yes. Let's get right into it, let's throw the jump ball up and we're ready to rock and roll.
2: All right, and, uh, you know, obviously everything starts with players. We've had, we've been very fortunate to have some excellent players in Lake City. Uh, I've been very lucky to, to coach uh, and we're a small school. You know, we graduate about a hundred kids a grade. We don't recruit, <laughs> uh, we develop our own kids. Um, and I've had the pleasure and opportunity to coach um, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, NAIA, um, multiple college players over my my last uh, you know eight nine years. Um, we've got a kid right now that's been a two year starter at University of Northern Iowa, and Nate Heisey, uh, a kid up at uh, Minnesota State Moorhead, uh, a four year starter at Jamestown, and uh, we had a four year starter um, you know at a NAI program. Iowa, um, Waldorf as well. So, and a kid at Hamlin. So a lot of kids over the last number of years, and, um, you know, you need players to win, but you can't wait for players. And I think sometimes, you know, there are some, not everyone, but there, there's certainly some coaches that just wait for that group to come through. And, and that's great, but development matters a lot. And we only get what we get. So there's going to be years as a coach that you don't have the best talent and your job is to just, maximize the talent that you have I really think that's our our ultimate goal as a coach Um, and but what we do for our development that I think has been successful is we do something called a 300 hour club Um, and I've had a lot of people on Twitter kind of ask about that and um, what we do with that 300 hour club is uh, starting on April 1st through the end of October uh, students Um, Our players, our athletes have to accumulate up to 300 hours, or they don't have to, but they're encouraged to accumulate 300 hours. Um, They can get 300 hours in a variety of ways. We encourage multi-sport athletes. We're a smaller community. Mm -hmm. Um, If a student plays a fall or spring sport, they get 50 hours for playing in that fall or spring sport. Um, We want them to be good students. So if they're on the honor roll, either of those quarters, they get 10 hours for being on the honor roll. We want them to give back to our communities. So we allow them to put up to 20 hours of service um, in the 300 hour club. So if they do 50 hours of service, they can put 20 hours as a max. Um, We want them to get in the weight room and get stronger and use our speed camp. So hour for hour uh, with any lifting program that they have, they can document that. Um, And then hour for hour for basketball. And so whether you're in the driveway uh, whether you're playing AAU, whether you're going to a tournament, you're going to a summer camp, everything that we do, we document that. And, and the kids get a calendar and they they keep track of their hours. And, you know, over the course of those months, they turn them in at the end. And it's a big recognition program that we, we do at our first, um, you know, varsity basketball game. And um, what I like about it, and I think what a lot of people like about it is uh, it's encouraging just being A lot of skills that make you a good athlete, playing multiple sports, getting in the weight room, um, you know, being a good community member. And it's been a a big part of um, our success. I would say year in, year out, our top core guys on our varsity are earning that 300 hour club. And our entire theme of that program is no deposit, no return. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a saying that we got off a, a soda bottle back in the day, (laughs) That basically says you get out of life what you put into it. You get out of basketball what you put into it, and we want you to make deposits. And if you make deposits, you're going to get the return on the back end. And your younger kids see that, and it kind of creates a culture, um, a consistent culture in your program. So that's a summary of our 300 hour club.
1: Greg, I love that. Um, I, I just love that idea. Matter of fact, now how do you how do you make it accountable? I guess trusting your players that they're being honest with everything. I know you probably built it up, but tell us a little bit about that.
2: You know, we, I I don't micromanage that. Um, I want, you know, I want our kids uh, to to feel that this is, um, you know, they need to earn it and it's going to show itself if they're not 100% honest. I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty easy to know if people are following through or not. We have them set a goal a goal form at the beginning of it, you know, on what their kind of goals are for that off season. Um, as they fill in the hours and everything, um, I will, you know, connect with kids at the end and I'll, I'll have a discussion with them and, um, you know, talk through if, if I had any worries that they weren't being completely honest. Uh, but in the end, um, it's really for them. Um, it's for them to improve. It's for them to uh, set goals. And I think what I've found with it is that the kids that do the best job with it are are really kind of more motivated, goal driven type kids. And those are the kids that get get better. Like they they dive all into this. They do it the right way, and they improve. And they kind of pull the ship up. So you get your core guys to this and some key guys to do it and they're going to pull other people up with them. And I really think you have to build teams around, um, core guys each year. You know, you got to build your offense around, um, certain guys that can be, you know, skill maker, you know, skilled kids in your, in your offense and system. And this is just part of the, that puzzle.
1: I love that. And Greg, tell me about um, at the end, when you say you recognize them, how many, how many guys are, uh, each year are being recognized at first?
2: I, Cause I, I absolutely, you know, you got to be on it weekly or daily and keep it updated. And there are a number of kids that start with good intentions and then the gotcha. summer comes and they kind of, you know, lose. so it's not meant for everyone. And I'm, I'm really, you know, I don't necessarily want it to be so easy that everyone does it and gets it. I want it to be kind of a carrot out there um, for our motivated kids to really aspire to. And so we probably get 25-ish or so a year, which is a good number. Um, You're getting kind of core guys in each grade that are doing it.
1: That's great. Hey, now that I'll kind of lead into your consistent youth program, which I building a great youth program is a lot harder. (laughs) I mean, a lot of people seem. I know the best programs in this uh, Georgia, Atlanta area, they all have great feeder programs. Tell me a little bit about what what you guys do.
2: You know, we're a, we're a smaller school, like I said, and um, we start in in third grade. Um, And the key for us is, you know, the coach matters a lot at the youth level. We've been really fortunate to have some really good parents um, that have played the game, that know the game, that, that play it the right way, know it the right way and and get the big picture of developing kids and and really what it's all about. And that's been key for us. Um, I have basically control over our whole program in terms of I organize it, I put it together, I find our coaches, I make sure we get the right coach that we can that's going to you know, work with kids. I've been in the community for a while, so I, I know a lot of people. And and, you know we we practice uh consistently twice a week at a youth program and then we play uh tournaments in our in our area um depending on the the level of talent on our team we'll go you know we might go up to the cities to get stronger competition we might go to a wisconsin program that has different types of competition but we we try to we want to challenge our kids um, we don't want them to win all the time. We don't want them to lose all the time. We want them to compete and be in the right, uh, setting. And, and then I think an, a big part of our youth program is, you know, we really teach a five out developmental program. We, I don't have positions. I, I mean, you're either a, a ball handler or you're not, I mean, that's, you're either a guard or a forward in, in our whole system. So we're teaching five out, um, we're teaching them how to play. Um, we're doing a lot of three on three at the youth level. We're doing a lot of ball handling at the youth level, a lot of passing and just fundamental stuff. We don't get technical at all. I don't want them to get technical. I just want them to learn how to play the game so that when they get up to our level, um, they're able to adapt, um, as needed. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's worked for us.
1: Yeah, and it appears that your coaches are all buying into it. Cause that sometimes that's the hardest part is to get coaches that are focusing on development first rather than winning, correct?
2: Yeah. And that's, you know, we preach that when we, I meet with the coaches, we, you know, in a lot of them, it's a smaller community. They're coming to our, our varsity games. They see how we play. And I think that's a big part of it. You know, when you watch what you aspire to, um, how they play, that feeds off, you know, on you. And I'm a big believer with the five out, you know, motion concept, you know, my first go around coaching, my first seven years before I got out for a while and came back, we were more of a continuity team. (laughs) And I, you just, you, I didn't like it because I felt like we're just teaching kids how to go to spots and be robots. And it drove me nuts. And that was in the, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands. Well now, we teach kids how to play. It's, it's a totally different approach. And uh, you think of every pass, every catch, every cut that you're making, you're getting better at a youth level. And prior to that, a more continuity-based system, in my mind, you're not teaching them how to do that. You're teaching them how to go to spots. We're trying to teach them how to play. And I think that's been real important.
1: Right. That's all part of your skill-based offensive system, correct? Um,
2: yeah, it is. And right. uh, our summer camps, you know, we I I spend zero, I'm a defensive coach, okay, by nature. I spend about maybe, I'm gonna say zero. We don't talk much defense at our summer camps because what I've learned is um, the hardest thing to do at the varsity level is score. And you need to develop skills and you need to do that through ball handling, um, offensive IQ, three on three and shooting. And so almost everything we do all summer long with our camps is centered on those skills in different creative, fun ways. Um, I don't worry about defense as much until they start getting up into the middle school, high school level. Um, I mean, obviously it's real important to us, but I'm more worried about building offensive skills at a young age.
1: Greg, really quick, talk about ball handling. So I think that's a, That's an interesting topic. You know, I mean, uh, I do, I do a little bit of both. I do a lot of, uh, ball speed, ball control. I, I, that's how I grew up. That's how I believe that kids need to really learn how to, uh, handle the ball with control, with speed. Um, but also I do a lot of, uh, game-based type situations with ball handling decision-making. What's your philosophy on ball handling in general?
2: You know, at a young age at the camp level, I spend a ton of time on ball handling. Um, You know, we'll go a good half hour at the camp. You know, I run two camps a summer. Most of our kids come and that's what we do a lot of. When I get to the season, honestly, I mean, I I feel a little weird saying this. I rarely do any ball handling during the season. Hmm. Most of our kids, when they get to this level, They're, they're pretty, they're strong ball handlers and, and, and I focus more on maybe small side games, decision-making and, and that approach, um, at the, at the varsity level, Um, we don't practice very long. I'm a big believer in in less is more. And, um, that's just something that I had to give up to, to, to go a less is more system and and work on IQ and system. We don't, I don't need it. Um, I, I really don't feel it's, it's hurt us at all.
1: All right, um, and and next would be, uh, and I that I, I love the detail on that, Greg. you guys go right into culture, correct? Is that next?
2: Yeah, you know, culture is is obviously incredibly important, and I, I think you know, and I got this in the next slide. But culture, I view it three ways. Um, culture is what we allow, okay, as coaches. Culture is what we emphasize, and culture is every day, and you know, if you really think about it, um, what are you gonna allow as a coach? Are you gonna allow kids to be late? Are you gonna allow them to slack off on a drill? Are you gonna allow them to not touch the line? Are you gonna allow them? I mean, we're making decisions like that every single day. And I think the big thing I've learned with culture is you have to think of it every day. And uh, secondly is what you emphasize. Um, I learned at a clinic at a very young age, it's not what you, what you do, it's what you emphasize. Um, And I use this example with basketball. If I wanted to, if rebounding was really important to me, I could preach rebounding every single day in practice, um, make it a priority. And we would be a really good rebounding team. And I wouldn't even have to do a drill. You you know, if you preach it and emphasize it, your kids are going to follow. And so you need, as we need as coaches to pick those three, four things that are really important to us and preach it and emphasize it. And that becomes your culture. And then lastly, the culture is every day. Um, There's a great Jay Wright story. Jay Wright was at Villanova, obviously. Um, One of the best cultures in all of college basketball. I think in 2008, nine, they made the final four early on in his career. um, They got all these blue chip players that committed to coming to Villanova the following year, all these five stars. And they had one of their worst seasons that following year they've ever had. And he had to reevaluate his culture. And he realized he wasn't recruiting the kids that was fit in his culture and and he did that and you know the rest is history they've had great success since so i really think that's an important part um, of culture and um you know real quickly I, i view five quick things that are important to build a championship culture one is the kids mindset of team over me not easy to do but it's something you have to preach and we preach all the time um You got to sacrifice your ego for the betterment of all. Uh, Two, as coaches, we set standards. We set standards with how we're going to play in a game. We set standards on how we're going to practice and we set behavior standards. And those standards as a coach are incredibly important. Um, And number three is the gatekeepers of those standards. The coach is the primary gatekeeper, but even more important, I think, are your leaders on your team and your players who are gatekeepers of that culture, and you know that's why developing leaders is so important on a team. And then the third gatekeeper, incredibly important, are parents. Um, I have a quick story of, um, you know, we we have parents that um, really get it. We have parents that are, are team people that understand and that maybe have played collegiately. They get it. That is something that we develop from a very early age. I mean, I developed relationships with parents at a very young age, trying to help them understand our standards so if they get the the gossiping stuff that happens behind the scenes sometimes or parents start talking negativity, you need other parents to step up and say, you know what, that's not how we do things here. And I think that's a big part of it as a coach. Um, Number four, championship cultures have uh, positive relationships, positive communications communication, things we always talk about with our kids is number one, listen with your eyes. I, I, you know, they get off inside conversations. I want eye contact with them when they're looking at me. Number two, I from the very first practice, the first thing we talk about is we read the energy bus or I give a summary of the energy bus to the kids by John Gordon. Are you familiar with that book?
1: Yes. Great book.
2: And <laughs> you know, it's the one thing that I won't put up with on our team is negative energy. I want energy givers and uh, I think it is, energy is so contagious that um, it's a real big priority for us um, as is developing relationships with kids which is really what we're in it for. And then finally, uh, championship cultures, uh, it's about role definition as coaches, incredibly important for us to define roles for kids and be very honest with them. I think as a young coach, I didn't do this as well as I do now. Um, but it's incredibly important to define roles, kids to accept roles and kids to excel in their role. Uh, the phrase that I use all the time with our kids is be great at what you're good at. Mm -hmm. Um, if kids try to do things that they're not good at, they stick out like a sore thumb on a basketball court. And so I want them to understand we all have different roles as a part of a team and be great at whatever you are good at. And you're going to really fit in our team really well.
1: Greg, help us out a little bit. Kids that don't want to or they don't want to exhibit, they don't want to uh, execute the role that you have helped define for them or they have negative energy. I mean, is that you work with those kids or, hey, you're just not going to work within our culture and then you have to eliminate that. I mean, how do you deal with that?
2: You know, I would say that is really well known by the time they come to us. Um, and I'll just give you an example. We, um, prior to, um, and about 17. Okay. We had had maybe we had had zero ninth graders ever start in the history of our program. Randy Brewer is a Lake City grad. He's the most famous Lake City person we have played in the NBA a long time. Sure. Um, in, in my last, the last eight years we've had, we have started a ninth grader. Four of those eight years. And we've had successful teams. It is not normal. But with this no deposit, no return mindset that we have, um, if kids put in the time and they're skilled and they're ready, they get the opportunity. And the summer is when that opportunity takes place. And so if if they get that opportunity in the summer, it kind of shows itself as who is ready um, for that varsity role or whatever it may be. So by the time we get to the season, it's pretty known. And I'll just give you an example. One other thing that I do that I didn't mention at the beginning of each season, which I think is a pretty powerful thing. We go through a, a, a form that I have all the kids fill out, you know, and I ask them, you know, that we use this to help determine our leaders on our team. Who are the three most positive leaders? Um, you know, with the game on the line, who do you want to make decisions? Who are the toughest kids on our team? Questions like that, but one thing I do is I have them I said, if the season were to start and we had a game tomorrow, who are our top five guys? Who are the five guys that are starting our game tomorrow? Who are the first three to four guys off our bench? And who is the next tier of guys on our bench? And they have to rate themselves and every other player on that list. And then I take that, I put it in a spreadsheet. My math nerd side comes out in me (laughs) and I average it all out and I, I determine... the the differential between where the team thinks that player is to where they think they're at. I also look at where I think they're at. And I know right then and there, if a student says, I think I'm I'm the sixth man right now, and the team has them at 11 and I have them at 11, I have a one-on-one conversation with that player before the season even starts about their role, understanding it, and if they can accept it. And I always have this to come back to. I've never ever had to use it, but I always have it. If a parent were to question or an athlete, I always have this to come back to. And uh, it just gets that discussion right away. Ironically, each year we had those freshmen start, those four years, when I did that with the team at the beginning of the season, every single time our freshmen were either in the top five or six, And it's because it was known and clear. And so I really try to, I think it's important we do that on the front end so that by the season starts, there's not going to be any surprises on where kids can be. Now, roles can change and they do over the course of the season, but that's how we start out.
1: Yeah, because that's really unusual, Greg, because usually you have a group of seniors who, hey, this is my time. I don't want a freshman... I know you, maybe you haven't dealt with that, uh, but it sounds like your culture is pretty solid when your seniors understand that the freshman is going to pretty much uh, have a, a, you know, maybe influential role than that.
2: Yeah. And you, you have to develop that, you know, we, um, and it comes back to, I mean, I'll talk no deposit, no return a lot. And so just because you're a senior, if you think you're i mean that's where you get into entitlement and that's what drives me crazy no one is entitled to play no one is entitled to anything everything is earned and kids know that and so you know i'll just give you an example my my son's senior year um 2020 uh we had 11 seniors on our team wow okay and that's unheard of it we didn't have a big junior class so it, it worked it fit with the puzzle we had 11 seniors and out of those 11, um, I think four started. And our our fifth man was a sophomore, our sixth man was a sophomore. And then we had maybe a, a, a seventh guy that, that played quite a bit as a senior. Um, and the rest of them didn't get a lot of time. One of them was my son, you know, he's about our ninth man, but they all knew going in, they exactly knew what their role was. They wanted to be part of something great. They wanted to be part of a great team. They understood that. And they led phenomenally um, in their in their experience and role. And there are six or seven of them didn't get a ton of playing time throughout that season. So that's where communication comes in. That's where relationships come in. And, uh, you know, that that can make that work.
1: Yeah, it says a lot about your son. Um, I'm not sure that many coaches would do that. I see all sorts of things um, with, you know, dads who coach their sons or daughters and so forth. Uh, it's very interesting sometimes that you see a little selfishness there. <laughs> so Yeah, um, and
2: he's, uh, I mean, my son was one of the best leaders on our team. He, mm-hmm. he was voted our Tiger Pride winner by our, our teammate and he was about our ninth man. So he right. he really didn't get a lot of time, but he got it and he knew it and he was an instrumental part of our team in a, in a different That's way. Great. He was a leader- In the locker room socially and all of that and you know i'll tell you what as a as a parent and a coach um you know i'm gonna i'm out there playing to win and uh he knew that um but you know if i need to have any conversations with people moving forward i've been through it as a parent you know where my kid didn't get a lot of playing time and i was the decision maker so Um, you know, I get it, but it's about team and that's where we, we kind of go back to It's all about team. Absolutely. Good. All right. Jump into the third one. Okay. Um, you know, commitment and, uh, you know, this one's a little bit quicker, but, you know, commitment, you know, winning is not a sometime thing, you know, winning is a lifestyle, winning is a daily choice, winning is a mindset. And, uh, you know, as coaches, we're all very competitive. I'm an incredibly competitive person and, you know, that mindset carries over to your athletes. And so if you have a win each day man mentality, um, you know, that's incredibly important in terms of, of commitment. And I think our 300 hour club gets buy-in from kids on the commitment piece. Um, and the thing about basketball is, basketball, it's not like football. It's not a numbers game. You know, you need a few kids every grade. You know, if you can get a few kids every grade to really commit and really buy in, you know, mix grades together, you can carry it. Where football, you need 25 seniors if you can. You need as many seniors as you can. Um, In basketball, you need committed kids. And so I'm really focusing with that 300 hour club on developing commitment, and I know that those kids are gonna lead and pull others along with them. And I really take that approach. And I, you know, I, um, you know, I I got consistency on the next one and I'll just kind of dive into that. Um, I had my slides kind of mixed up here, but I will say one more thing about commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, When you have a culture of commitment, and this is on that other slide, but committed players are contagious. Like I was kind of saying, committed players create committed teams and then committed teams turn into winning teams. And so that's kind of the progression of commitment that we use. Um, when you get into the consistency piece, which is number four consistency, um, you know, is that day-to-day, uh, component. And with us, when I think consistency, it's consistency with a coaching staff, a system, and a culture. Um, we've had a little bit of um, you know, turnover in some of our younger coaches where we've had people come in and go to different jobs. So it makes it a little bit tricky, but I think the system has been so strong that kids are coming up through know the system and it's made for easy transition with that consistency. Um, and then also consistency with the culture. And I think as a, as a coach, because I'm so involved at a young age, I mean, I see these kids, uh, at camp from third grade on, and you're developing relationships and consistency all summer long with them. Uh, they get to the high school, and this is a, a, maybe a little bit of a benefit of being a principal. Um, I see basically our kids every single day. We're a 7-12 school. So every interaction I have with a student, whether they're a basketball player or not, I'm really conscious of, we're molding them into the culture of our school or the culture of our program. And the things that are important to me in our basketball program are the same things that are important to me in our school. And so, you know, when you think about consistency,
0: at Dr. Dish Basketball, we're creating basketball shooting machines that accelerate player performance. With features like on demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball is the number one source for basketball training. Whether you're training in your driveway, running a practice, or developing a workout program, we have the most innovative training solutions to help your players practice like they play. And just for listening to this podcast, you qualify for an exclusive discount. Just mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633. Again, that number is 952-873-2633. And remember, be better every day. Dr. Dish Basketball's Virtual Camp 2.0 is now live. Our camp features drills and workouts from pro players, coaches, and trainers like Byron Scott, Quincy Pondexter, and four-time WNBA champ Lindsay Whalen. And though we're known for our shooting machines, the camp also features ball handling, agility, and conditioning drills to help athletes of all ages round out their game. A shooting machine is not required for this camp, but if you own or have access to a Dr. Dish CT or Dr. Dish home, you can follow along with our pre-built program and track your progress and your stats. Sign up today to gain access to the virtual camp 2.0 featured drills and workouts by visiting drdishbasketball.com slash virtual camp 2021. That's drdishbasketball.com slash virtual dash camp dash 2021.
2: Seeing commitment, um, you know, just they go to FIED and, and how our FIED teachers create a culture in FIED is the same with how we wanna create a culture in our school, which aligns with how we wanna create a culture in our basketball program. And so they get the same message and this molding over time. And I think that's why the time by the time they come to us at that varsity level, they have been molded and influenced um, and, and they know what we expect and what we want. And it just makes it a whole lot easier by the time they get there. Coach, do
1: you find it, um difficult at being a principal and also maybe people seeing you as hey you know what the basketball program gets a little bit more priority uh, and so how do you how do you deal with that and how do you make sure that everybody's getting the same commitment and consistency and all your and all your academics and also your athletic side
2: yeah I you know I'm very very conscious and I you know nobody is is perfect but um i i try hard to not have a perception i mean i do very little basketball stuff at school at all there are times where you have to you got media calling and things like that but right. i really am purposeful that all my practice planning is done the night before or the morning before and my film work is done at night and i, I don't do any of that at school so the message to kids and teachers You know, they're two separate things. This is an extracurricular for me. And I tell people all the time, teachers are incredibly busy people. Teachers are incredibly busy and they coach. Principals are very busy people and they coach. Um, You know, I'm not more or less busy all the time as teachers are. Um, Sometimes I'm more busy, but many times I'm not because teaching is a very difficult job too. I'm more busy in the summer. I'm more busy in, you know, different times of the year. Um, But I'm very conscious of that. And I I really have it in the back of my mind at all times. Um, We have a great AD. Um, I trust him in the season because, you know, I'm in basketball mode and he's the person that's job is to look at the big picture. If he sees anything or says anything, I listen to him all the time with that because that's his role. And that's my role in the season. When basketball's done, you know, we flip it a little bit, but we have a great AD and it's about understanding roles. Um, And, you know, we have a, I've been at this a long time. I've been a principal for 17 years. I've been a coach. So I understand both positions pretty well. And I I just do my best to try to not let it intermix or affect uh, other people. I'm sure there's people out there that, you know, think or view it, but um, in that way, but I, I really work hard to not have that happen and i think i've been here so long in lake city i've been here 25 years um my wife was a teacher in our district Um, i've had kids go through the system that i think i've i have that respect from a lot of people and that understanding
1: and i love um this system that you're talking about can apply to really any area of life right i mean you can take this and apply it to your classroom that's what i love about it um so it's, it's, um, it's definitely applicable to any, any particular area.
2: Yeah, I would totally agree. Totally agree. And then, uh, you want me to dive into the fifth one?
1: Let's, let's get it, coach.
2: Yeah. So the fifth one is leadership and this one's incredibly important. Um, obviously working with Jansen and sports leadership center, this is a big, big deal to me. And if I were to pick two of these that are the most important with our program, it's culture and leadership because leadership matters a lot. Leadership is the X factor. Leadership um, you know, is where winning teams really come from. And it has to be purposeful. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing as a coach is we can't have the magic eight ball approach to leadership where we're gonna shake the magic eight ball and say, do we have good leaders this year? And if it says yes, we go yes. And if it says no, we're like, ah, shoot, well, here we go. I'll just get through it. And I think that happens a lot with coaches. And, you know, I, I approach it with like this kind of sandwich theory approach. You've got the coach, the top top part of that sandwich, the bread, you've got the, the, the rest of the team, which is where peer pressure comes in at the bottom. And then you've got leadership in the middle and leadership has a job. If your player leaders... Can pull the rest of the team up to a higher standard, okay, you're going to have a great season. If your leaders get pulled down to peer pressure to the rest of the team, that's when you get mediocrity. And so leadership is incredibly important because, um, you know, I'm not, we're not around the kids every single um, minute of the day, we're not around them a lot. And there's a lot of things that happen in the locker room behind the scenes where you need your leaders to pull kids up to the standard that the, the coach and the team wants. Because if they get pulled down, you get mediocrity. And so great teams, winning teams have leaders that keep kids at that level that you need to win. Um, and it's, that's why it's the X factor. And so, you know, one thing we talk about with our leadership summits and working with Jansen and teams is, is how do you develop that? Jeff has a great book, Team Captain's Leadership Manual. Uh, It is what our leadership summits are based off of. Um, The goal of our summits is to um, basically bring that leadership model uh, to the kids and the coaches. And then hopefully the coaches take it from there and systemically build leaders on their team each year in each season. And uh, for me, relationships matter. I'm in all honesty, when I'm meeting with those kids in third, fourth, fifth grade, you can tell who your upcoming leaders are, you know, and so I am molding them, building them from a very young age, very purposely. So by the time they get to ninth, 10th, 11th grade, they're ready. And, and, and now we start having different conversations to, to make them, uh, leaders. And, um, it's really important that they understand that, leading self okay leading by example leading yourself is all about you because it it deals with your commitment your character um your composure um and all of those things but when you start leading other people that's when it's not about you at all and that's when you really got to try to be a servant leader and your whole focus when you lead other people okay is is to make them better and if you can get kids to believe that and buy into it you, great things happen um you know i'm relying, reminded of the carla overbeck story are you familiar with carla overbeck
1: i am yeah great soccer. you know player. yeah
2: yeah and she was the team captain of of team usa uh soccer everyone heard of mia ham they've heard of brandy chastain and, you know carla overbeck was kind of behind the scenes and in the book the captain class have you read that book by chance I
1: have not, no, but I heard it's a great book though.
2: I actually have it right here. So The Captain's Class by Sam Walker. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an amazing book. He looked at the uh, the best teams in the history of all sport. He broke it down to 17 that were the dynasties that had the most success year after year after year. And then he spent a decade researching each of the 17, 17 teams to find out why. And what he found is they all had a leader behind the scenes not the most talented player on the team, but it held people to an incredibly high standard. It wasn't a coach. It wasn't an elite player. It was a leader. It was a Tim Duncan. It was a Carla Overbeck. It was a Yogi Berra. It was a Tom Brady. Tom Brady's a little bit more in the public eye and he's a great player, but he's not the most talented athlete in the world. You know, we all know that. But he holds people to an incredibly high standard. And uh, that's, those are the gatekeepers of your culture. And that's why that is so important. And so as coaches, I really feel that we, we have to develop that. It's an important part um, of having a successful program and team.
1: Greg, I I wanna add, matter of fact, I'm gonna definitely read that book. I mean, that's a great point you mentioned. Cause I have, uh, this is my second year of kind of rebuilding a program out here in Georgia. Um, And when I came in and we pretty much have all freshmen and I have one senior though. And that's, that that was part of, you know, rebuilding this program. She is not the the best player, but I'm telling you yesterday, we did a workout and, you know, we're not supposed to work out with more than four kids. We have four player workouts. So, um, you know, we designed an eight player eight players working out. She ran the workout for me okay, without yeah. me there or my assistant, and they filled out, they did, they did an absolute great job, um, but we were not present, and yeah. um, I just heard, I mean, I mean, it was, it was fabulous, so, but that's a kid who is just, I mean, she accepts her role, um, she's just a fabulous leader, the kids really respond to her, but she's not our best player.
2: And you know what, they're, and that's a great example. And, you know, we preach this to kids all the time. You know, I bring the story of my son back. I've had other kids like that. Um, and, and the thing you, we have to understand is you don't have to be a senior to be a leader. Okay. A lot of seniors are, but I've, I've had some freshmen and sophomores that have been some of our best leaders. And that's okay because there's multiple types of leaders. I think sometimes kids get elected or voted. And we really, as coaches got to be conscious of, of who we're putting in that role of captain because all captain is, is a title. Captain does not mean you're a leader. It just means you have a title. Leadership is different. And there are lots of different types of leaders. There are locker room leaders. There are performance leaders. Um, I think I, I use something called humor leaders. You know, When, when you got those stressful times, you, you always have that kid that can kind of make people smile, lighten the mood. You need that. That's a leadership skill. There's lots of leaders. And I think kids need to know there's multiple types of leaders and you don't have to be the best player. And and most times, to be honest, I think it's around 20 to 21% of the time with uh, Jeff's research at Janssen, your best player is actually your best leader. And kids need to understand that. They might have to lead on the court in a certain situation when, when you need your best player. That doesn't mean they're the best leader on your team, though. And if kids understand the different types of leaders and how they can lead in different ways, I, I think you, you get more buy-in from your team and more development because um, you're, you're sharing that with them and you're building those skills in different ways. And that's a perfect example you gave with your senior
1: how do you put together a, uh, we have a leadership committee, Greg, and I'm not sure if that's the best way, that's the area that I like a lot of input from different types of kids, because we're trying to teach them how to be leaders, but hey, not everybody's a verbal leader, right, like you're saying, there's different types of leadership, talk about that a little bit on how you form your leadership or captain's committee, if you have one.
2: Yeah, so we, you know, first of all, I don't think as coaches, we got to, we got to do captains the same every year. Every team is different. I've had years where we don't pick a captain hmm. and it's because I might look at our team and say, you know what, I've got four seniors that are all strong. And I, I know that I can just rotate them through. I may have years where I know if, if, I name a captain, it might cause a riff on the team and I'm just not going to go that route. Um, I'll have years where, Um, I, you know, like I said, I, I rotate and I have years that I might pick two captains, might pick three, might pick one. You know, I, there's no right way, but what I do do is, um, in that form where kids, you know, write feedback at the beginning of the year, you know, I have them recommend based I, first of all, I get them to ask all these questions up front and I'm really, what I'm doing is I'm leading them into what a good leader would be. Okay. What a good captain would be. Um, and then I get to that point, based on what you've said, who do you feel would be the two best leaders on our team? And then I will look at that. And that's like a recommendation. it's not like they vote and I give it to them and then I'll select leaders. So it's kind of a collective thing, but I'm molding them in in that direction. But, um, I, I think you gotta be careful. We don't, you don't need captains to have leaders and, and sometimes as coaches, they don't get that now. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm meeting with those kids, you know, frequently during the season. It's a lot of one-on-one conversations with them. Um, sometimes it's really more purposeful stuff. Sometimes it's just really informal things. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's leading by example and there's leading others. Number one, they have to lead by example. Um, and that involves character and composure and commitment. You know, they gotta have those skills for sure. But leading by, leading others, really comes down and Jeff talks about this at Jansen um either being an encourager or an enforcer. And when you're an encourager, that's things that all kids can do. And that could be, you know, Steve Nash high five, study, um mm. it could be hey, good job in the weight room today. It could be, you know, a lot of a lot of just positive it could be nice pass, great screen, hey, good cut, good board. It could be anything the tough part for kids is the, being the enforcer where you got to hold kids accountable. Wow. Um, Fantastic. and Jeff's got a whole series of books, um, that coaches can use if you want to develop that he's got a book on accountability. He's got a book on commitment. He's got a book on, uh, responsibility. He's got a book on leadership and culture. And so, um, using some of that content with the kids is, is kind of what, what I do on a, on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah. Jeff, Jeff is so brilliant on, uh, I, I think I, I, I remember reading his first book uh, and I forgot the name of it, but I still have it on my shelves. Nobody Did has books. Still? Yeah. Woo!
2: Oh, <laughs> I remember buying this book. I think it was that's uh, a great book. 1998 or maybe, <laughs> maybe it was 2002, but I remember buying it and waiting for it to come in. And that's where I first got connected with, you know, Jeff's work. And so when this opportunity opened up, that's why I jumped in. I've been a big believer of his work as well.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. And and it's not necessarily a science. It's more of an art, right? Coaching's an art. I guess it's both. But I mean, you got every kid's a little bit different, right? They're all molded a little bit different, right? (laughs)
2: 100%. I think leadership is just about influence. And as a coach, all we're doing is is influencing kids, and it is an art. And, you know, it's more about managing people and managing and keeping the team together and roles than it is about X's and O's and strategy. And I think Bye. that's where coach, that's why I, I'm so passionate about doing this because leadership and culture are where teams run into problems. They don't ever, you don't get parent complaints because of X's and O's and strategies very often. It usually centers around leadership culture stuff that happens. And those are things that as coaches, we need to spend more time on. And I'm not like a big rah-rah culture guy where, you know, I'm culture, culture, culture all the time. That's not who I am at all, but culture is what you allow. Um, Culture is, is what you emphasize and culture is every day. And I really take that approach because that's really important. Um, and then we can dive into the, the strategy and X's and O's, you know, and the stuff that we all like as coaches too, but we can't lose sight of the culture and leadership piece and the impact it has on our teams.
1: Greg, before you go, talk about a moment in practice where you emphasize maybe your key word was uh, we, we believe here in what we call Mudita. And that is, man, you better be <laughs> celebrating others, more than yourself and we and we just we constantly emphasize that and when we see it we recognize it and we honor those those players what do you do to um to do that in practice and games
2: well first of all it's funny you say mudita i just learned of that word about a week ago <laughs> um and it has now become my favorite word because you know i talk about positive energy being an energy giver all the time and Mudita, you know, fits into that, and it's a defined word that the English language doesn't have a word, you know, that that means that. It's a, I think it's from Buddhism or something, correct? Yes.
1: yes it,
2: vicarious joy for another teammate, and I mean, I can't wait to use that <laughs> this this off season and season. But you know, I would say um, something that the kids hear from me all the time that really helps define us as a team and coaches, be great at what you're good at. I said it earlier, Um, you know, when when we have kids that set a great screen or get a great rebound or make a great pass or do a little thing on the court, they're going to hear me say that phrase, be great at what you're good at all the time. And I think what it does is it really helps define roles on a team and it values everyone on a team. It values the role when you do that and, and it helps build the team. So I would say that's a phrase um, that, and kind of no deposit, no return, which is just about work ethic and all of that. Those two things, um, to me, is is what they're going to hear from me the most because I think it really helps define our teams.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate, it, Coach. Um, There's anything you want to add to the the list uh, right now? I think you covered you covered all five, correct?
2: I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. Any, anything you want to add at the end here in the fourth quarter um, and to kind of leave our coaches, because right now our coaches like me, we're going into the summer and I feel like every practice, I think kids change all the time. And my team that I have this year, Greg, is not the same team I had last year. So give us some advice for that going into a summer program.
2: Yeah, you know, and I I might have a little bit of different approach than a lot of people in the summer. I mean, we um I don't have like multiple day skill workouts with our kids. I our 300 hour club um really encourages kids to get in the driveway, to get outside and own. to develop yourself kind of the old school way like we did. <laughs> we have open gyms. Um, I've got summer league games, we've got, you know, three to four summer tournaments. We're playing into some big tournaments this summer. Um, and I've got my two weeks of camp, but my, my camp really only goes up through 10th graders. My, our varsity kids are so busy, you know, they're, they're playing baseball. They're playing AAU basketball, which is crazy enough as it, as it is. Right. And so I really encourage that, um, kind of get better individually. And and I don't want to program you you know what i mean and it's a balancing act um and there's not a right or wrong way to do it that's just the way that i i approach it and uh you know it's worked for us um but you know i'm we're very busy doing stuff in the basketball i just really try to push the driveways goal setting individual development piece of it so when they come to me we're working on team stuff you know grow individually Change your role in the off season if you don't like your role from the season. This is the the time to do it. Is the off season and um, you know no deposit, no return.
1: Yeah, you're teaching that self initiative right, which is a great character trait. That it's not. I mean, every you know, I know a lot of kids have their own player development coach, all that kind of stuff. I think it's overdone. AAU's overdone, but yeah. I, I love that philosophy and um, I know it works.
2: Yeah. Yeah, great. So yeah, thank you very much, Kevin. This has been awesome. Um, you know, encourage people if, uh, I've been writing a lot on Twitter daily and, um, you know, at GB one, one, two, one, if anyone's interested, I'm kicking out a a newsletter on Saturday mornings that people can sign up for too. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm really trying to, um, share my passion for leadership, culture, development, teams, and success Um, you know, and I, I love doing this and, uh, you know, I've, I've had a great couple months writing and it's made me better. It's made me a better coach. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to doing that as well.
1: Greg, I sure appreciate you taking the time. You're now part of the championship vision family. So thank you so much much, uh, for joining me and making me a better coach. And you're going to make a lot of coaches that listen here Uh, much better. 1% better, right?
2: Improvement. 1% better every day. Yep. Thank you for doing this. Kevin. this is awesome. Um, it's great that you do this. I really appreciate it and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.
1: Thank you, coach. I appreciate you, uh, you coming on. Thank you so much.
2: Okay. Coaches, this is coach Matt Dennis, and I'm truly excited and blessed to join coach Furtado on the championship vision podcast. If you're a coach looking to get better at your craft, you're really going to love this episode. If you'd like more great coaching content, I encourage you to check out other episodes on the podcast, as well as to head over to CoachMattDennis.com, where you can join my newsletter and sign up for a free trial of the Coaching Lab, where my goal is to help coaches find more success in less time.
1: Hi, this is Matt from Court Cart. The Court Cart is a great way to store your basketballs and is handy at practice. You can lock up 24 men's or 30 women's basketballs with our zippered top. The cart is sturdy and easy to roll around the court. The cart is 269 with free shipping. The court board is a whiteboard that attaches to the cart so you can draw plays up on the court. The Court Cart Court Board Package is 528 with free shipping. You can find out more information on CourtCart.com.